Welcome to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. I'm Deirdre Koppelman, along with your co-host, JG. We are going to take you from the playground to the boardroom. Gut Wisdom will make you think and will leave you with real solutions that come from real wisdom. We're with you every Saturday night at 7 p.m., and we promise to give you our very best. Through our companies, Paircore Solutions and the Gasman Financial Group, JG and I work with chief executives and business owners across the country. We help them to strategically grow their business by increasing team effectiveness, helping their employees reach their fullest potential, both personally and professionally. JG and I get deep into understanding the unique business culture of every company we work with so that we can identify and improve employee morale and engagement, performance management, leadership development, making sure the right people are in the right seats, hiring, firing, financial health, and more. So Gut Wisdom is really for everyone. It was created with the purpose for us to share what we know so that you can learn and incorporate some of our proven wisdoms in your own life. Over the next hour, we are going to be talking about how companies hire and how that relates to getting fired or even wanting to quit. We'll talk about the cost of a bad hire, the real reasons for high employee turnover, the recipe for disaster in the hiring process, and things that employers and candidates really should do when they're hiring and or seeking a new job. You're listening to Gut Wisdom, radio that resonates. Pure, raw, and real dialogue about the most pressing problems in business and in life. I'm Deirdre Koppelman, along with your co-host, JG. We'll be right back with some awesome wisdom on hiring practices and job-seeking myths, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right after these messages on WCBS News Radio 880. More drive-time traffic. A collision approaching the Tappan Zee Bridge. More often. Triborough Bridge is the problem. Weekday mornings and afternoons on WCBS 880. You're never more than five minutes away from the latest traffic news. A lot of volume across the upper level now at the uh, GWB. When you need to know, we've got you covered. Inbound Midtown Tunnel, there's a stall past the toll. Traffic and weather together, plus the new bridge and tunnel update. Only on New York's traffic station. WCBS News Radio 880. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. I'm Deirdre Koppelman, and your co host, JG, and I are talking about all things related to being hired and, and fired. Correct. So, JG, there's a fact, and I don't know if our listeners know this, but we have a couple of statistics that I think are pretty important to share. Mm-hmm. So the latest data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, so this was published in July of this year, July 2016. Pretty recent. Yeah. 4.9 million separations happened in June. Wow. 3 million were voluntary, which means half of those employees quit their jobs voluntarily. Well, here's another one. Workplace Trends did a survey in 2015. One in three workers had hoped to leave their jobs within six months, and one in four employees would leave because of their manager. Wow. So it's fascinating. The co- you know, we have unhappy employees. That's, yeah. that's what these statistics say. And what's interesting, I don't know that job seekers or even employees recognize this, but there's a serious cost yeah. To the hiring process. Sure. Onboarding, offboarding, absolutely. 
Well, think about it this way. Every time we don't hire the right person for the right position, for the right reason, and mm-hmm. in the right way, yep. it costs the employer and the new hire big time. Yeah, There are all kinds of costs. What I know you know this. What yeah. are some of those costs? I think that you look at it, there are two types. Typically, there's direct costs, and then there are the indirect costs. The direct mm-hmm. costs, you're talking about things like salary, benefits, fringe benefits that the company offers, the recruitment fees that get paid, or the onboarding, training mm-hmm. of a key employee, mm-hmm. how long that takes, the legal, sometimes you have relocation expenses that are incurred, taxes, those are the direct costs. And severance as well, if you're paying severance, Absolutely. which is not a rule, but... Yeah, and then you have the indirect costs, which is just the time, the time suck associated in the selection process. You know, trying to find the right people for the right seat, as you said, on the bus. Lost of opportunities, client relationships, lost productivity inside of an organization, detrimental impact on employee morale overall. Right. So so the bottom line to all of that is it's extremely expensive dollar-wise, but not only dollar-wise, yep. if you hire the wrong person. But let's, let's give our listeners a real-life example. This is what goes on inside the company. So every time you apply for a job and you wonder why people aren't getting back to you, you wonder if somebody even received it, yes. you wonder what is wrong in the world, here's sort of what's going on inside the companies because we uh, we work with these companies. As a matter of fact, one of the companies that we helped uh, with their hiring process last year, we just did a year-to-date- um, Summary or analysis. An, a year-to-date analysis, exactly. We received 52,270 resumes wow. in one year. Mm. Now, obviously, that was for multiple, that was probably for about 500 positions, I want to say, over the course of a year. That's tremendous. And how many of those, out of the review, did you end up hiring? Well, we don't actually do the hiring. The company does the hiring, so we don't always get that specific data. But the point is, we, Paircore Solutions, went through 52,270 resumes. So for job seekers out there... If, if you can imagine what it's like to be inside a company. So here's what happens. Inside the company, first of all, they have to pay. They have to pay to advertise the position, yep. right? Then there's the money they're actually paying somebody to conduct the interview, and sometimes that's more than one person. Then there's the loss of productivity, meaning the person that they're paying to interview you is not doing really their job, what they're supposed to be doing. And then you have the training and the learning. Right. Then you get hired, and then there's a training curve, and there's lost time. And what happens is, for we did an analysis for one company, and for every new hire, it was costing them over $60,000. So... Here's, aside from the money, which is a fortune if you are not hiring the right person, mm-hmm. there's also what's called the cost of mind share. So let's say we hire somebody and it wasn't the right person to hire. And there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why that could be. Mm-hmm. But there's so much stress and frustration that goes with, oh, no, we did not hire uh, well. We made a mistake. And now we are further behind the eight ball. So that's called actually the cost of mind share. So you have the, the actual dollar costs that we were talking about, sure. direct, indirect. Then there's the cost of mind share. And then there's also, um, I like to call it the psychological or the cost of morale, because there's something called the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I bet you know this 
from your own company and from companies that you've provided services to. Yeah, you, you see it inside of companies. That bad hire has such an impact on the overall culture and morale of the organization. It trickles down in a negative way. And it also makes it that much more difficult for the next new hire to succeed, and I will explain why. The ripple effect, let's look at it like this. When a company has a hiring need, most companies are not strategic about thinking about hiring. Yeah, they're when, not looking- when are they looking to hire somebody? Right, they're, exactly. They're looking to hire somebody, usually because A, a key person quit, Yep. or they just got a big account and they have to staff up. Yeah. Rarely is anybody, is any employer sitting there saying, let's look at a 12-month plan mm-hmm. and let's put together a strategic hiring plan. That's just not how it works. So, yes. so great, now, and you've got the existing team that's obviously they're understaffed, they're overworked, they need resources, new person comes in. Let's say that new person is not the right hire. Okay, what happens? They quit, right, or they get fired. Now we go through the hiring process again, and we go through thousands and thousands of resumes, and we get somebody hired, and we bring them in, and maybe they were not a right fit. So internally, the team, what starts to happen is every time there's a new hire, and this is what that ripple effect is, there's not a big welcome wagon for the new hire anymore. No, there's usually a wager. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's that wager. How long is this guy going to last? How long will this woman you know, last in this company. Will they succeed, won't they? And they they start a pool. It's a pool, but ultimately what happens is if they're not there mentally to support this new person, think about the new person that gets hired. They're like a stranger in a strange land. They've never been here before. They don't have friends. They're not part of a clique. They're not going out to lunch with anybody. They need people's help. But if what they usually don't know is there are wagers, Right? How yes. long will this per- So there's very little support. So what starts to happen is it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. You're, you're almost adding to the likelihood that this new hire, even if it was Won't a good succeed. hire, yeah. will not succeed. So that's the cost of morale. So morale, as you know, drops. And then, so now you're looking at there's dollar cost, indirect, direct, there's morale. Uh, and, and what about the poor job seeker? They're out of a job. Sure. So... When, if your company has high turnover, does your company have high turnover? Not as much as it used to. Why is that? I think we have good leadership in place and we lay out our responsibilities, our duties, our objectives, and our process for hiring has changed. It's no longer predicated on, wow, I really like this person, you know? They, they, we play golf at the same country club or we do some of the sim- same things. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that are involved that have a direct say in will this person be a good fit for the team or not. So there are a lot of changes in our hiring process that have caused better hires, which means people last longer in the, in, in the organization and they succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, I, can, I agree with you. And I know when we do interviews for the companies that we represent uh, when we help them hire people, One of the things that we like to do, you know, so let's say out of those 52,000 resumes, and that's just for one client, we look at every single one of those resumes. So if you're a job seeker, what's important for you to know, if you, first of all, recognize that employers are being bombarded with resumes. I would say there's a huge portion of the resumes that employers receive 
that typically the the candidate that's applying is either overqualified or underqualified. They have a very short amount of time to go through the abundance of resumes. So typically they're not really looking at your resume maybe as critically as they should because they're in a rush. And remember, they've got to get somebody in the door. So what's important for you, if you're a job seeker and you're listening, is to make sure, and this is a wisdom, and usually we save wisdoms for the end of the show, but a good thing for you to do is to really recognize that your resume is your marketing tool. It's your advertisement. So the top third of your resume needs to be the most compelling. Mm -hmm. It has to be the Mm -hmm. call to action so that if I am bombarded with a thousand resumes or a hundred resumes, 50 resumes, it doesn't matter. If I see that top third and it's compelling, it has to be the reason why I say, you know what, I read enough because I'm going to look at it super quickly. I'm going to pick up the phone and I want to call you. So that top third, for if you're a job seeker of your resume, must be compelling. Yeah. And I think from from an employer standpoint, how often you look at a resume and and you go through it pretty quickly. If it doesn't catch absolutely you, catch you quickly, you're you're done with the resume. So you know we don't we don't start at the bottom. We start at the top. Look at it. If they have the skills that we're looking for, then we continue to read. What do they say? It only takes a couple of seconds to make your first impression. That's correct. And that's all it is. And the other thing is too, I would I would caution job seekers. Knowing, again, on the inside that the employers have so little time to go through the amount of resumes that are received, aside from making the top third of your resume super compelling so that they just want to pick up a phone and call you, aside from being, I would say, informed about the company, get your questions together about the position, about the company. How many times do... You know, candidates go for an interview, they're great interviewees, okay? And they get in, but they didn't ask enough of the right questions. And now the job they think right. that they were applying for is really not the job that they were doing. So if if I'm a job seeker, we have the resume tip, I'd say, get your questions together. Look at the job description that the employer is putting out there as part of the recruitment ad and really dig in and make sure that you have questions on that interview aside from uh, you know we could talk about don't ask you know about your benefits and vacation and salary but you <laughs> want to make sure that the job that's being advertised is really something that you can delve into and make sure that's the job that you will be doing otherwise in short order you will be there you will be miserable you too will just be out of there and yeah. and the employer won't be too happy either so here's something that you know I've always called the recipe for disaster. Do you know what that is? What is it? Well, you're such a foodie, so my guess is you're thinking it's probably a bunch of very bad ingredients of like... Yeah, sugar, cream, butter. No, those are delicious (laughs) ingredients. I like those ingredients. No. So I came up with this crazy recipe for disaster, and it has to do with um, that hiring process. So this will help employers, and it will help job seekers. You're listening to Gut Wisdom. We'll be right back with some awesome wisdom on the recipe for disaster in the job market. WCBS News Radio, 880. When you're on the train, it doesn't mean you're out of touch. Listen to WCBS on your phone or tablet. We're streaming live 24-7 with the news you need to know. Go to radio.com or cbsnewyork.com and you'll stay informed on your way to and from the office with WCBS News Radio, 880. 
everybody. We are back and you are listening to Gut Wisdom, radio that resonates. I'm JG along with my co-host, Deirdre Koppelman, the one and the only. And today, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about the topic of you are hired and you are fired, as well as we're going to touch base on the topic of the recipe for disaster in the job market. So let's chat a little bit about what are some of the common reasons employees quit. Do you think... Do you think it's because of money? I think that's on the pole, the totem pole, but it's not the critical element or the highest reason why people end up quitting. Why do they quit? Why do people quit? One is lack of appreciation. Mm-hmm. People just feel as if they are not appreciated for the work and the effort and the time that they put in. How many times does it, do you hear from your boss or coworker, what a great job you did? All you hear them do is complain. So that's one thing. I think another is boredom. People are just, employees are not engaged enough. They're not challenged. They're not motivated. They're not inspired to try new things. Tell me about it. And and I'm going to interrupt. I noticed. You know, there's that big thing about the millennials. Oh, those millennials. They're entitled. They're this. They're that. And millennials are rock stars. Yes, they are rock stars. And you you know, if you, I remember when Carly had an internship, they had her stuffing envelopes. So you're taking really smart people, yeah. even though they're 20 something, and not leveraging their skills. Absolutely. So they're bored. Yeah. Who wants to stay anywhere at any age if they're bored? Yeah. P- employees want to see growth opportunities, they want to see a trajectory for long term growth within an organization. Absolutely. They don't want to stay in the same place. There's also the fact of wrong cultural fit. You know, that what do you is, mean by that? Well, you look at organizations, you look at the morale, you look at the culture, and it's just not a place that's conducive for you to really grow. doesn't foster camaraderie. Right. You know, where does everybody go at 5 o'clock? They run out the door. But there are a lot of organizations where it's like, hey, what are you doing afterwards? Hey, you want to go gra- grab a drink? Right. Let's go hang out. Or we have in our own organization a couple of young folks as soon as you know the time comes, you know, and they stay late, they're heading down to go do yoga together. Now, aren't they it's awesome? So cute. Yes, it, that's it, Quinn and Lauren. Yeah, at Pair Core Solutions. Big shout out, millennial rock stars. I'll call them. <laughs> and then also, you know, people are hired with incorrect job descriptions. You know, people are hired. You know, we were talking about this. Why? When does a company hire? They either hire when they get a big client or they just lost a key employee and they need to fill the position really quickly. And they don't really take the time to really create a reality-based job description Mm -hmm. and compare the skill set that somebody's bringing to the table to make sure it's a right fit for the job function. And 100% correct. And if you're just listening and you're wondering, who are these two that are talking about, (laughs) you know, the right hiring process and all of the, you know, employees being bored and what, what. So just so you know, uh, JG and I have been working with employer companies and job seekers since 2003. So we're not just sort of, you know, BSing. These are, you know, real experiences that we've had working with clients in all industries across the country, just in case you're wondering who these two nuts talking about these things and, (laughs) and what do they know? So we do know for fact uh, that people leave because they're bored, or it's the wrong cultural fit, or yeah, the it's, job descriptions. It's re- it, I find it's really over pay and over benefits. That's usually the last reason why people are leaving. Mm-hmm. 
I've seen, um, I will call, we started talking about this a little bit before the break, so let me share what I think is the recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not about like sugar and, and things like that. That would be, it's more like Tabasco sauce, but if, maybe if you like that, it's, it, maybe, like it's it spicy. Taba- maybe it's Tabasco sauce and meat sugar. <laughs> so the recipe for disaster is something like this. I'm an employer, which I am, but let's, let's play the game. I'm an employer mm-hmm. and you're the job seeker, JG. Okay. Right, so you've been looking for a job, yes, and and I need to hire somebody not because I'm strategic, even though in real life I am, but here I am, I am, you know, Joe employer. Oh no, key person just left. You know, I'm afraid other people are going to walk out. I have to hire somebody, and I and I'm looking for a job for a long time. I desperately need to put food on the table, right? So I'm almost willing to take any type of position I could find, right? So I'm so as the employer. I have no time to go through all the resumes that will be sent to me. Mm-hmm. I have uh, nobody de- really designated to just do that as a job, which mm-hmm. is interviewing. I haven't really trained anybody to be an effective interviewer, right? All I know is I've got to hire somebody. Got to put somebody in the seat quickly. Correct. And then what happens? Here comes JG, the job seeker. Yeah, very bubbly and vivacious. And I could probably sell you ice in Alaska. Oh, and then some. (laughs) And hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Hey, JG, how are you? Please have a seat. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Come on, tell me a little bit about yourself, job seeker, JG. I'm JG. I graduated college. I have a master's degree in uh, tax and finance. And I bring a lot of great ideas to companies. I can help them grow their top line. I could help them reduce costs. Mm-hmm. I can create. Uh, I could do a lot for your company. Great. So I can see, remember, listeners, this is a fictitious interview. So I can see by your resume, JG, you have you know, really, a really good skill set. I'm just curious, what are, you know, what are some of your hobbies? Well, I like to go fishing. That's one. Two, I really enjoy hanging around with my family, playing backgammon, Monopoly, and other board games. You like to play Monopoly? Love it. Don't you like, do you like to play Monopoly? Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite games. Oh my gosh. I have been playing Monopoly since I was six years old. And I probably before that. And I'm a Monopoly player king. I'm a king at playing this game. How are you at playing it? You you know what? We We should should get together. We should have a little Monopoly challenge. But the we're joking obviously but this is sort of what does go on in many many interviews you get away from um the actual interview the actual interview because as the employer i'm desperate and i need to hire somebody and jg as the job seeker very charismatic of course <laughs> i can't but more than charismatic jg <laughs> what what's your what's your motive you want the job. I need a job. I got to put money in the pocket. I got to pay for expenses. Right. I got to live. Right. So the bottom line is, is this recipe for disaster is it's not a thorough, it's not a strategic process for either party because Absolutely. the job seeker is just like, get me in there. Yeah. This will be great and I'll have benefits and a paycheck. And the employer sitting there saying, oh, wow, you play golf or do, you do, play and Monopoly. Do you remember that client that we had, that we worked with a client that actually hired somebody? Oh, I think we, who, I know. 
we can't say who. No, we can't say who. But it all came down to they had so much commonality between them. Yes. The the interview was completely derailed. And he said, hey, I'm going to hire this guy. He seems like he's got a good resume. And he's great skill set. And I really like the guy. Right. I have this gut feeling, which I I believe in gut feelings, but not when it comes to interviewing and 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 hiring. And every time he did that, he hired Incorrectly, right? He hired the wrong person for the wrong job because he liked them. Do you know that? See, and so that got along with them. So there's there are these habits, right, that pop up of of bad hires. That is, sixty three percent of bad hires fail to produce the proper quality of work. Sixty three percent fail to work well with other employees. Wow. Sixty two percent have negative attitudes. Sounds sounds great, right? I know a lot of companies like this. More give what other bad habits do you know well, that you bad know, hires bring to the table? Well typically you see attendance decrease dramatically. You know, they don't show up on time, they don't show up when they're supposed to show up. You see a lot of perhaps customer complaints increase dramatically because sure thing. of the lack of work or proper work that's done and I think from my perspective, being in a very timeline-driven organization, deadlines are missed, and that really is a challenge. Absolutely. So rather, so that's the recipe for disaster. So the ingredients, we have to give you the ingredients yes. for a better recipe. Yes. Tablespoon, teaspoon, a cup. How about a little honey? Oh, I love honey. Thank right? you, Tim, for the honey. So if you think about... Transforming, and this is now for employers, if you think about transforming the hiring process, your hiring process, from a reactive game, oh my gosh, we need to get somebody in here yesterday. To something more proactive, a proactive strategy. An offensive strategy. Love it. Think about in advance. Go from the defense to the offense. Absolutely. And I know this is football season, so that's the most I know about football. But (laughs) what are the sales goals of the company? How many new... Clients do you want to add over the course of six to 12 months? What's happening in the marketplace? How many people will I need to hire? Thinking about, you know, what's the morale in my company? Am I at risk for losing key employees? Do I have underperformers? When you start to think beyond today, and this is really for anything, but certainly for the hiring process, if you start thinking about your needs a little more strategically beyond where your feet are today, then you're going to have much better outcomes. You know, most of the time when we do planning inside of Companies D, we spend a lot of time focusing on, you know, clearly laying out the goals for the company, you know, one year, two year, three year, five, ten, and then breaking it down between quarters, weeks, so on and so forth. And a big part of it is looking at the organizational chart. You know, do you have the right people in the right seats on the bus? Correct. And identifying where there's weakness or where where the company needs a little more help, and then focusing on creating that game plan, as you said, being having a proactive plan. And most of the time, the companies, the CEOs, are focused on revenue, correct, profitability, and cash flow, and they don't realize that the most important element in any organization are the people. The other side of that, that is all true. The other side of that is when you look at the expenses in any business, what's the biggest expense? It's usually payroll and benefits. Right. Especially benefits, but definitely payroll. So a lot of uh, employers are shy to be strategic and be proactive to add payroll. But at the end of the day, 
you have to kind of do that because if you can look at, so for example, some of the things that we've done is we have analyzed the top performers. In organizations. In yeah. organizations. Yep. And then, and we do that through a variety of assessments and morale and culture studies and things like that. Who's yeah. happy and why they're happy? Who's unhappy? Why are they unhappy? What do we need to do to change that? Yes. And also, what are the traits and characteristics of the employees that help them succeed in the culture of your organization yep. and also within that position? Then you can take that information and, and it utilize doesn't- Utilize it and leverage it w- in terms of creating other positions with those similar attributes and helping and train your people to be this way. Exactly. And in the talent acquisition, in searching for new candidates, it takes a long time to find the right person. So rather than I'm in a rush, why not take the three, four, five months, however long it takes after you've done your benchmarking and you've really analyzed and become a little more strategic, then you can take your time. Nobody says you have to add to your payroll immediately, but finding the right person does not happen overnight. See, one of one of the challenges, D, that I think we have seen, and it's evidenced by a lot of the companies un- that we've worked with, not all, but mm-hmm. consistently the poor performance, look at their people as a cost. They're right. not assets, you know, and if you change- What a mistake. Complete mistake. If they look at if, their people, mm-hmm. right, as an investment, you know, these are the people that are going to catapult us forward. These are the people that are going to take us to the next level. These then, are the people that come here every single day to service our customers. And uh, I don't and care. It, if, and it doesn't matter. It makes no difference, right, if it's the guy who works in the shop sweeping the floor. You just took to, the words out of my mouth. Of course I did. To the guy who delivers the mail, the mailroom clerk, to an executive in the company. Everybody has a critical role, everybody is important, and everybody wants to feel valued. Truthfully valued. Yes. I love I love when we go into some companies, well, I don't love it, it makes me sad, but when you uncover how unappre- unhappy, well, unhappy, but there's not a lot of appreciation. Yeah. And that doesn't cost anything. Right, that maybe is another show about how do you show employees appreciation. Totally, without without money, yeah. uh, you know, and be real. Pat somebody on the back. Say, hey, I love that you did that, and this is why. So getting strategic with your hiring process and job-seeking strategies, that's going to come up next. You're listening to Gut Wisdom. We're here every Saturday night at 7 p.m. on WCBS News Radio 880. Woohoo! You can learn more about us at gutwisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. Let's catch up on some traffic and news headlines. We'll have some gut wisdom takeaways when we come back. Introducing Play.it, a podcast network like no other. At Play.it, you can hear your favorite WCBS features on demand. In the WCBS Eye on Politics. I'm Pat Farnack with the WCBS Health and Wellbeing Report. I'm Steve Greenberg talking about your next job. Hear those and more from WCBS when you need it. Plus, great content from other CBS stations. For the best in news, sports, business, and tips for your lifestyle, go to Play.it today. We are back and you are listening to Gut Wisdom. I am Deirdre Koppelman here with your co-host, JG. And if you're just tuning in, we are talking about getting strategic with hiring and job seeking. So why is this topic so important? I don't know. I want to grab some wisdom today. I feel the wisdom coming. Well, here's the deal. The amount of unhappy employees and the effects on the workplace 
when and your clients and your clients when you yeah. don't make the right hire is disastrous. So how on earth do we do it efficiently and in the right way with intention? Uh, well, first of all, you always have to understand. It's a great question. You always have to understand. It all starts with unique business culture. Do you tell know me what, what that is. I was just going to say. Ah, I beat you to it. <laughs> I think I made that that term up, but you tell me. You should put a TM on it. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, unique business culture. Jonathan, JG, and I, through our companies, have worked with businesses since 2003 and probably JG longer because he's much older. Oh, you, you missed that. I'm not going to even laugh at that. Okay. It, sometimes it's okay for me to have a thought I don't express. That was an anger management. That's another pause. That, that was a pause. Yeah. So inside the companies that we've worked with, and there have been so many, Understanding the unique business culture. So unique business culture means to me, let's say you're in, well, we're at, we're at a radio station. We're at one of the best radio stations in the world. The radio station. Right? Woo-hoo! So we have Kenya. Yeah. CBS. And Melissa. Yay! So it's all about knowing who's on the bus. No, let me go back. Okay. Unique business culture means if I'm hiring, mm-hmm. let's say I was, I, I was asked to hire employees for CBS News Radio. A unique business culture means I need to understand who's at CBS News Radio. Who works here? Are they happy? What are their traits? What are their characteristics? What makes this place buzz? It's not, let me go to another radio station because they they do the same thing. Sure. Okay. And somebody who works at another radio station will fit in just beautifully here. It doesn't work that way. The unique business culture Mm -hmm. is based on the dynamics of the people people. that work in that organization. Not that every organization that does or sells the same thing is the same. Yeah. And people will get mixed up. They'll start telling you about mission values, right. and it's really about the people, the people and the dynamic. The people. So how do you know, you know, what are the ways that you can actually figure out the unique styles of everybody in oh. your organization? Typically what we'd end up doing, Dee, is walking into a company and doing either a culture and morale study or some sort of base benchmarking mm-hmm. or performance measuring of where they are today. How do we do that? Use of assessments. There are a variety of proprietary assessments that we've created in the organization that we would utilize inside of a company. See, assessments, I got into using assessments with uh, with clients. I want to say... Maybe you want to say a survey, too. About, yeah, about 10 years ago. Here's the interesting thing about the use of assessments. First of all, they're fabulous because... If you know how to use them. If you know how to use them. And for those that have taken assessments, and I know those that have taken assessments through us would vouch for this, there's nothing bad that can come out of an assessment. But the truth is when people hear, when employees hear, I have to take a test. Oh my God. Right. So if I have to take a test. pass, fail. Pass, fail, or good, bad, right or wrong. And we can tell people until they're blue in the face. We promise you there are no right or wrong answers. And we know, even though we tell them that, and we know that, that that's not really how people feel until after they go through it and they get the information and they realize, wow, this is a lot of great stuff about me. Right. But it's also about helping them understand the purpose of the assessment. What is the the optimal use of this assessment? How is it going to be used? How is it interpreted? How is it interpreted? And... What do you do with the information? Right. So how many times, that's so true, how many times do consultants come into companies, 
they do a battery of tests oh, or assessments of times. and what happens and they get they 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 will take their assessment they will take the performance measures the report mm-hmm. they will sit there in front of a board or management team present the findings the the board will say interesting mm-hmm. and then it ends up going in a drawer top drawer somewhere Absolutely. forgotten forgotten never looked at not to be acted on which is one of the worst things totally how you know what we tell employers We're very happy to come in and assess who works here, what the traits are, to understand your unique business culture, because Mm -hmm. ultimately that's what helps you hire people in the right way as well. However, if the information is not meaningful, and it has to be meaningful to the participant, it has to be meaningful to the employee who's taking it too, Yes. right? You're not just going to give somebody an assessment to take and then you never come back to them and tell them what that was about. Right. They want to know what do you do with it now. Exactly. So it has to be what? Meaningful? Yes. It relatable. Relatable. And then what? Actionable. Actionable. What are we doing with this information? Yes. And that's been a big, big problem. Many, many consultants will come out and say, you know, here's all this information and here's uh, how your company scores here are how your people score and this is it and here are here are four or five ideas that we have and that's it yeah so they don't make it practical they don't take the results and implement right. the strategies that need to be implemented in order to keep the culture at a very high level yes in order to keep people engaged yes and looking at there's so many different types of behavioral styles sure there's you know people have different tendencies Communication. communication styles and needs are totally different a big one. right yep. we all know how we need to communicate with you which is different and yep. how not to communicate with you right more what importantly works and what doesn't work i don't like email talk to me you know tell me straight to my face or call me but don't send me a long-winded email right i like everybody to, has a preferred style correct and i like to see how people function under stress what triggers their stress? What does stress look like for them? Yeah. Because it's different for every single person, or how they make decisions, or what motivates people. Yeah. These are the th- these are traits and characteristics and behaviors that make up your unique business culture. And if you care about the people who work for you, right, and you care about the people that you are going to go out and hire, you yeah. want to know this information because this is the key to your success. Yeah, this is, this is an amazing gift. If you could give people information about themselves, teach them, give them the ahas, this will have a tremendous effect on them personally and the business. You know, what keeps them energized, how they make their decisions, as you said, motivational styles and factors, mm-hmm. all important and it all helps the organization. I know for the many companies that I worked for prior to starting Pair, I think the reason I started Pair was because of the dysfunction that sure. I saw in so many other companies. Yeah, you saw what didn't work, and you said, I could create a better mousetrap, I saw, and I could help more people. I saw what didn't work, but I understood why it didn't work, and it always comes down to the people. You have to understand who, what's the talent you have on your bench? Right. What's your bench strength? And are you leveraging? Are you challenging people? Yes. Do you have that career path for them? Yeah. And in the hiring process, think about it. Have you communicated to the people who are in the hiring seats mm-hmm. what the what is the hiring process? How should they be reviewing candidates? And because so many resumes come from candidates that are 
either not qualified or overqualified. You know, how do you go through the resumes and interview effectiveness? And that's a skill in and of itself, going through resumes to the interviewing process itself. Talk about interview effectiveness, JG. What do you think? What, what, What happens and what doesn't? For sure, what we've witnessed coming into companies is that there are two people. There's the interviewee and the interviewer. And the last thing you want to have is the interviewer doing all of the talking. Which happens most of the time. (laughs) Which is 90% of the time. (laughs) You want the interviewer asking lots of questions. What do they say? The 80-20 rule? Right. You know, you're you're listening 80% of the time while they're doing 80% of the talking and you're doing only 20%. So that, that I think is probably the biggest one. Two, I would say... Keep exact and detailed notes. How often you're having a good time, you're talking to the interviewee, mm-hmm. and you're not taking down the requisite notes. How did they answer these questions? How did they respond? When you ask them certain things, what did they say? Right. How about making sure you ask the same questions? Each time. Each time. Right. We will come up with <laughs> scripts for positions so that every time they have to hire right. inside of a company for, for, for a particular position, there's an assessment that they could use to test their skills for that Correct. if it's needed, or general questions that everyone must answer. There's also the uh, the list of behavioral-based questions that mm-hmm. we use, and you must make sure, if you really want to compare apples to apples or pears to pears, as we like to say, <laughs> pears that to pears. the questions you ask of one candidate are the same questions you're asking somebody else. And, and to that also, for job seekers, ask questions. Ask, you know, who's in this position now? Mm-hmm. What's a typical day, you know, or week even? I don't even know if a day is even a fair amount of time no. to, to judge, but really get into the specifics. No. What would I be doing every day? Do you have job descriptions? Are they reality-based job descriptions, yeah. right? We like, How often they aren't updated, and they're from five or ten years ago, and the position has changed. Totally. And, you know, that also creates a lot of frustration for the person who's actually doing the job because yeah. they've assumed so many responsibilities over time that nobody really knows what the heck they do. And the employee who's ex- assumed all these other roles and responsibilities sort of feels underappreciated and feels that nobody really knows what I do here. And that's probably true because you don't have that reality-based job description, which I, I, I can underestimate. Also, also, I'd say skill-based testing, because if you're hiring for a particular need or a job, mm-hmm. you want to you drill for skill. How about salary? Right. Mm-hmm. Don't kid yourself. Talent is talent. I've seen so many employers look to uh, to get really. Let's try to save a lot of money. There's so many candidates out there. We can pay as little as possible. And you know, there's this saying, JG. Have you hear this? If, if you pay p, if you, what is it? If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Correct. <laughs> right. I mean, what makes you think you can underpay somebody? And how long do you think? Well, number one, how, how long happy? are they going to tolerate it? Well, right. they going to be? Ha- they're not going to stay. And there's so much information out there that you can actually look at comparative salaries and see what the market calls for. Don't even think about underpaying somebody. And, you know, the job seekers, don't apply for jobs that you're overqualified for or underqualified for. No point. Also, know yourself. The more self-aware you are about who you are as a person, the better you will know what question to ask about the culture of the company. Come to the table armed, right? But do we come come, prepared? Come prepared, not only with your skill set, but who you are as a person. What value do you bring to this organization? 
yeah, how much of this type of work will I be doing that I'm going to enjoy? And why, why as an employer do I want to hire you? I have to train you. I have to invest money in you. Who are you? What do you think about that, JJ? I agree. Yeah. So you've been listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. We're here every Saturday night at 7 p.m. We are super interested in your feedback, so let us hear you. Go to our website, gutwisdom.com, that's G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com, and share your feedback. Better yet, give us a topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on air. You never, you never know. We could ask you to be a guest on the show. So definitely look at following us on Twitter and Facebook, like our page. We appreciate your input and feedback. Yeah, we want to make this about the listeners. So, JG, we want to take this time. What do we want to do? Who do we want to thank today? Thank all the right people. So especially, number one, our executive producer, Kenya. Woohoo! We love and adore the her. Best. Our production guru, Melissa Rath. Smiley. Our engineer, Tom. The head honchos here, Greg Janoff and Tim, as well as the rest of the CBS News Radio team. And of course, to our friends, families, and teams at GFG, Paracore Solutions, My Success Platform, and Gut Wisdom. Thanks for all of your support. And we want you to have a great week. And next week, we're going to have a special guest sharing wisdom on EQ. Yeah, what's EQ? Well, it's not IQ, so it's not intelligence. (laughs) It's a different type of intelligence. EQ is emotional intelligence. And we want to share with listeners how emotional intelligence can really help us and how important it is and how it often trumps IQ. So EQ over IQ. That's coming your way next Saturday night on Gut Wisdom.